0: Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.
1: Now people will remember Dr. Gabriel Scali carried out the scoping inquiry into cervical check a number of years ago. That inquiry led to a list of recommendations being offered to government and today Dr. Scali has published his review of the implementation of those recommendations and I'm delighted to say he joins me now uh, on the line. Gabriel, you're very welcome to the show. Um, So, what is your main finding in this review? Have all the recommendations been
0: implemented? Well, it's good to be with you and this has been a long process and the news is patchy. There's a lot of very good stuff that is being done but there's still some really big issues that are very, very important. Um, there's been really good progress on a whole range of things. But, but could I just say that I, I, like all of us, was very saddened by Vicky Phelan's death. And, and From my point of view, the best tribute we could pay to Vicky Phelan is to implement the recommendations about improving the system. That's what she cared about. And that's what she spent the last few years fighting for. So movement on the recommendations, for me, is a, it, it's so important and it is a must. The sort of things that have gone really well Well, women's health has been given uh, a much higher priority and a lot more money put into it. And uh, we've seen the announcements about contraception and about funding of IVF. Um, And uh, uh, there will be more money and it has moved centre stage and it was neglected. And we should remember that quite a few of the scandals affecting healthcare in Ireland have been in the whole area of women's health. So it deserves every penny put into it and it deserves the attention it's getting. Good thing. Do you want me to go on about the other good things? Yeah, I do do want to focus entirely on
1: the negatives. I would like to hear a couple of the good things
0: first. Yeah, Yeah, great. Well, the introduction of a different sort of screening test, a HPV test where you test for the presence of the virus, and that reduces the need for people to be looking down uh, microscopes at slides, which increases. If you do that, there's always a risk of error. There's now a very good first test, and if the HPV virus isn't present in the specimen, then it doesn't need to go on and have that screen. So that has been really well handled, uh, even in the midst of, uh, of COVID. Uh, good news in that the, the labs, the women's slides, and I know women are very interested in, in this issue, the quality of the lab that their slides are going to. And all of the slides from the cervical check program in Ireland are going to one lab, and the lab is a Quest lab in, in Clifton, New Jersey. Mm. and uh, instead of the they were dealt with a total of 16 labs uh, if anyone remembers going back that way and lots of them uh, the cervical check program didn't know anything about they were going from Manchester to Honolulu labs scattered across now they're in one place a high quality lab Uh, it is now uh being quality assured routinely by the cervical check programme here in Ireland. I sent some of my colleagues to have a look at that lab, including um, a consultant cytopathologist who I, I trust absolutely. And they believe that is a very high quality service that's been provided at the moment. And that's good news.
1: I'll say, so that's the good news. Where has progress been slow or stalled or where is there still work to do?
0: Well, there's a little bit of work to do still about that labs thing, because th- there is an aspiration to bring that work back and have it done in Ireland. And the Coombe uh, Lab used to do some of this screening, but they stopped uh, due to a mixture of uh, the cyber attack and uh, some staffing problems they had. But they have had a lot of investment going in and more going in so that they can be ready to take on that, that work that's car- currently done in, in the US. But that that's a difficult process and they really need to get make sure the quality is good before that can happen. One of the things I'm very keen on is that uh, we don't put all our eggs in one basket. Having all of it going to one lab here is, is undoubtedly a beneficial thing. Mm. But also, anything can happen. You need know, a fire or a flood or anything. There needs to be Uh, a backup plan, there really needs to be a good contingency plan so it can't fall over. So that's a little bit more work. Um, I I think one of the big things is this whole area about how we deal with errors when they happen, uh, clinical errors. Now patients, things happen to patients that shouldn't happen to patients all the time. Some of the estimates are maybe as much as one in 10 patients, something isn't quite right in their treatment. Uh, And it could be as, as small as a tiny medication error that no one uh, it, uh, that, that has no effect on anyone, but something things are—it's how we deal with them. And at the heart of uh, the cervical check debacle, as Vicky used to call it, uh, was the dreadful way in which the results of the look-back exercise at the slides in women who had cancer were communicated to women. They were really treated extremely mm. badly, and I think that's unveiled a whole serious problem about. The way in which we're dealing with medical error or, or error of other health professionals in that we don't have a proper complaint system. In fact, legislation prohibits people from making a complaint to the health service executive about the clinical skills element. And that's why people go to the health service to have clinical skills provided to them.
1: That, that seems, sorry to, cut across to you, uh, Dr. Scully, but that, that seems remarkable, doesn't it?
0: I, 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 I you know I was astounded it 's in the two thousand and four Health Act, and it is actually a prohibition on people complaining and i 've never heard of that anywhere else. What instead they're meant to do as I think is to complain to the regulatory bodies and uh, i'm quite and this is another thing that needs to change. Um, the Irish Medical Council still says that open disclosure should be carried out i 'm very keen that they say it must be carried out mm. there shouldn't be i Telling the truth to patients when things goes wrong should be as natural as breathing for health professionals.
1: Are, have, have you been surprised at the pushback then from some medical professions uh, professionals on that on that front? The argument they say it, it's not about you know, a reluctance to admit we got things wrong. But sometimes when you, you take the entirety of the situation into account, the maybe mental fragility or emotional fragility of a patient giving the, the experience they're going through, the health difficulties, they think it, it's not right for us to bring this up now. That sometimes is the argument.
0: It, it is sometimes right? the argument. I think as an argument from a different era. Uh, I think people have a right to, uh, to openness and honesty and truthfulness and it has to be an adult adult conversation and that is red- redolent of a, a paternalistic approach and a an adult dealing with a child or something you know it's, it's it's not right in this day and age when things go wrong people should be told and patients only i i i've been saying this all the way through patients only really want three things to happen When something goes wrong, they want to be told the truth. And that's absolutely true. It was very true for Vicky and very true for all the others involved in the cervical screening problems. They want to find out the truth. So honesty and truthfulness is really important. The second thing they want, if there was something that went wrong, they'd like a proper apology. They'd like someone to say sorry and to really mean it, not a, a letter from an anonymous bureaucrat or anything like that. They'd like to sit down and have it explained with them. To them, preferably by someone who is involved, and for that someone to say sorry. And the third thing they want, and people are, you know, people who have these accidents, and some of them uh, injuries and errors, some of them are really catastrophic. But they are so uh, keen to make sure uh, that it, other people aren't affected the same way, uh, and, and, and they want to know that it, what's being done so it doesn't happen to anyone mm. else. They're really uh, wonderful, and that's absolutely true about the women and families involved in um, the cervical screening problems. They want a screening service and a complaint service and an attitude towards women in particular in the health service. That that is modern, that is open, that is honest, that is truthful, uh, and and that will help people. Not not put blocks in their way, because the way it's being dealt with at the moment is what I... Disappears off into the medical legal complex. Mm. You know that de- disappears into the high court and the the the, the, lost, the 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 insurance companies, and the claims managers, and all that stuff. And there is no there there is no re- resolution by going through the, the courts. In fact, I, I know from talking to the woman involved in many of the cases, they still don't think they've had the truth, even though they've been through the courts. So that's not the way of dealing with no. things.
1: Well, listen, um, it's always a pleasure to speak to you and thanks a million for taking the time. Uh, Dr. Gabriel Scali, who, as I said today, has uh, published his review of the implementations of the recommendations that were included in his own scoping inquiry into cervical check. The people will remember was first published, uh, the first draft of which in uh, back in 2018, around this time, November 2018. Uh, Dr. Scali, thank you very much uh, for joining us here on the show
0: Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on Newstalk.